gotten older. I saw it my dad, but I didn't really appreciate it. But as I've gotten older, I've noticed that I've become a little bit more nostalgic and reminiscent, and I look back, and I find myself wanting to share with others the lessons I've learned. In other words, the experiences, both the good lessons. We learn things from successful experiences. But I dare to say that many of the things we've learned, we've learned because we messed up. And we don't want to do that again. Uh, There's an old Warner Brothers cartoon of the lion that, you know, it's like, you know, how many lumps you want in your tea, your sh- coffee, whatever, lumps of sugar. And, and the guy would say, the lion would say, I like lots of lumps. And somebody come out with a mallet. It's a cartoon, okay? Boom, 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 boom. And all these lumps come up on his head. Some of you are living life going, I like lots of lumps. And, and you just keep doing the same dumb thing over and over. And it is a, a guaranteed formula for failure. My father, uh, as he got older, uh, I've told, I've shared this before, but again, you're listening to someone reminisce, but uh, he was, uh, he had cancer, and I was called back to the States from having gone to Scotland. Kathy and I had a once-in-a-lifetime dream trip planned, and the first night we got there, we got a phone call. And I had done everything you could do. I had gone, I had checked with the doctor. Is my dad okay? Can I go out of the country? Doctor said, no problem. First night there, we got a call. Dad is not going to make it. Three more days. Uh, you want, he was already in hospice, but the doctor had said, you're safe to go. You can be gone 10 days. So we got a, a flight. We were in Scotland 24 hours. And we flew back home to be with my dad. And my dad was in hospice, but a a little bit later, my dad rallied and got better, and he got kicked out of hospice. And kind of weird to think of it that way, but he went back in hospice, and he rallied and got a little better. Uh, Three times he got kicked out of hospice, okay? I don't know anyone else that's been kicked out that many times. But I kind of think my dad just liked that every time he got down at the end, one time he hadn't eaten for like 10 days, and so everybody came in. The doctor's saying, this is it. You know, this is your final goodbyes to your dad. And, and really, during that time, he, he found great joy in sharing with us lessons he had learned. My father had a scar across his face that went from here down to here. Ugly scars. First thing you saw when you saw him. Wow, what a scar. He had gone through the windshield of a car. Alcohol was involved. And he would tell us the lesson, don't drink and drive. That's a pretty good lesson, wouldn't you agree? And and my dad would, in those moments, we'd get called in and we'd go in the room and we'd listen to him talk. You know, he, he told us, hey, marriage is hard. All three of his sons were there. And he said, I, I can come to this point and tell you that after 50 plus years of marriage, I never cheated on your mother one time, and it's been worth it. Will you be able to tell your kids that someday? That's a pretty cool lesson, wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's worth it. It is worth it. And so he just loved doing that. Well, 
I didn't really appreciate what he was doing at the time because, frankly, you know, I, I was there to honor my dad. I loved my dad. Uh, he became a Christian late in life, but I had daddy issues from the previous years. But, you know, I dealt with him, and the bottom line, I learned to love him. And, and, and at the end of the day, it was sad. But I got to tell you the truth. I didn't get that into the lesson thing. You know, most of them we'd heard before. But he was finding great, great value to it. And so, my last series here. I'm starting a series. I don't know how many weeks it's going to go. Uh, but you guys, lucky you. <laughs> You're going to get the lessons I've learned. Is that exciting? Come on, pretend. Yay! That's lessons. <laughs> I like my father. I just feel compelled to share some of the lessons. Lessons and, and truly, together with our other pastors here at Connect Church, the, the core values we've built into Connect Church, what we deeply believe, uh, and, and from my lifetime of having the privilege, uh, Kathy and I, my amazing bride, I still look at her and she's that 18-year-old girl I met at the altar. Uh, we just celebrated 46 years of marriage <laughs> yesterday. And, and it is amazing that she has put up with me that long. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, but it's worth it. That's a lesson. It, the, the hard times are worth it to get through them, to get to the next step and the next chapter. It's worth working at it. And it is work. Anybody that's stayed married more than three months knows it's work. And, and Kathy's line is 46 long years. Because it's not always easy. And anybody that says it is, they're either delirious or lying or someone doesn't have a brain in that relationship and they just shut up and take it all the time. But if you get two people that are thinking, enough of that, that's not one of the lessons today. I... I'm, I'm choosing this subject because it's going to let me to kind of look back at some of the core values to how we got here as Connect Church and, and how you can one day get together with the family and say, hey, come celebrate. Come celebrate with us. 46 years, 50 years of marriage. I mean, we all say that that's what we'd like to be able to do. But here's what's the important thing today more than me sh sharing the lessons I've learned. This idea of learning lessons comes from God and from his prophets. The idea of learning what God has for us, the lessons he has for us, and carrying those forward in our life. Because God's truth principles are like guardrails on a bowling alley. They, 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 you know, you're a bowl with those rails on the side where the ball can't get in the gutter. That's very much what God's lessons are all about. They give us guardrails to keep us from going in the gutter. And, and, and I, I hope you'll see my heart, really, however long it's going to take to do this. If it goes faster than we think it should, I'm going to give you like five weeks all in one Sunday. So 
Just bring your lunch. I'll tell you about that in advance. But we're, we're going to get through this because it's so important. But the most important thing for you to know is a verse. We're going to get started. Jeremiah the prophet, chapter 35, verse 13. And this is really an introduction to the idea of how embracing the lessons God has for us is a great way to live your life. And so Jeremiah 35, 13, here's what it says. This is kind of our launch pad for today. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Go and say to the people in Judah and Jerusalem. Here's the message. Come and learn a what? A lesson about how to obey me. The lessons we learn have an intent, a purpose, so that we can learn to obey God's principles and truth principles. And, and, and so the lessons God has for us, even some of the painful lessons, are all designed not to injure us. God doesn't do t- things to us. He does things for us. He loves us that much. And so he allows things to happen. And, and through those things, we learn lessons. And hopefully we don't make the same dumb mistakes over and over and over. Jeremiah wanted us to know that. God inspired Jeremiah to write those words for us. So today I want to press forward the importance of learning lessons that God has for us. And so lesson number one, here you go. This is rich. (laughs) Not everyone learns their lesson. That's the first lesson. I don't think you can understand the, the whole concept of lessons if you're not willing to accept the idea that a lot of people are repeating first grade over and over and over. They never go to second grade. Uh, they, they never advance because they're not learning their lessons. And, and frankly, some of you are sitting here today wondering why does the same dumb things happen over and over in your life? Why do you just keep having the same things repeat themselves? It's because, frankly, you haven't learned your lesson and God loves you so much, he's not going to push you ahead to second grade until you learn what you're supposed to learn in first grade. Now, I really want to read a passage that it's not overly lengthy. It's, it's just, it's six verses. But in order for us to set kind of the, the foundation for this series, I want you to see uh, an amazing example in Scripture in God's Word. And I want to put it in context. I want you to see it in context because we're going back 3,500 years, 1,500 years before the life of Christ to a time when Moses led the slaves, the children of Israel, out of Egypt, into the wilderness, on their way to a promised land. We talked a little bit before we came in on the idea of crossing the Jordan River and the promised land, but I want to even roll it back a little bit more, and I want you to listen to these six verses. We want to put this in context. Keep in mind, lesson number one is not everyone, not everyone learns the lesson. Okay, so here it is, in context. We're we're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, actually chapter 10, verses 1 through 6. Listen in. Do your best. Kind of lock in here, okay? Shut everything out. I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, about our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. Anytime the writer says, I'm writing to you as brothers and sisters, this is written to believers, people who are part of the family of God. If you're a follower of Christ, this is written to you. All of them, those people, brothers and sisters, ancestors in the wilderness at the time of the writing, 
1,500 years ago. For us, 3,500 years ago. All of them were guided by a cloud that moved ahead of them, and all of them walked through the sea on the dry ground. Okay, we were talking not that long ago about crossing the Jordan. Uh, we talked about first they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. And so we're putting it in context for you. Number two, verse number two. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. Now, again, it's important to do, do context in Scripture. The word baptized uh, in our English language comes from a, a Greek word which is baptizo. And the word baptizo means to put under, to immerse, to put people under not necessarily water. Now we use it when the, the first, the translators of the English Bible came to the word baptizo, they actually made up the word baptism in the English language because there was no previous word that really in, encapsulated what baptizo meant. So they played off the word baptizo, baptism, and, and what it means, again, to immerse, to put under. Now look at that verse again, because this is not saying Moses took every one of them to the river and dunked them and put them under. In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. All of them ate the same spiritual food. He's saying this a number of different ways. He's saying they were immersed in Moses' teaching. They were immersed in truth that came from God through Moses. Remember Moses had something to do with the Ten Commandments? The world today sees them as the Ten Suggestions, but they are commandments. And so here you got it. This is exciting stuff. These are people who got to hear it from Moses, who's the guy who heard it from God. And they were immersed in this. They were baptized in it. Keep going. Verse 4. And all of them drank the same spiritual water, for they drank from the spiritual rock that traveled with them. Who traveled with them? Was it an actual rock? This is a word picture. That rock, I want you to see this. Look at that. Look at the verse. It's in your notes. It's on the screen. That rock was who? <laughs> One more time. That rock was who? Christ means Messiah. When we say Jesus Christ, we're saying Jesus the Messiah. When we say connect to Christ, we're saying connect to the Messiah. The Messiah is the promised one that God said would come and take away the sins of the world. To the people in the Old Testament, 1,500 years, so I'm throwing these numbers out, 1,500 years before Jesus came, you with me? They looked to Christ, the Messiah, the promised one who had not yet come. They believed by faith he would come just like we believe by faith he did come. It, it took just as much faith to believe he is coming as it does for us to look back and say the Bible is true. He came. Now here's where it shifts gear and here's the lesson. So all of these people, everybody, by some people's actual, I mean, a lot of really intelligent research has gone into this. Possibly a million people in the wilderness who got out of Egypt and, and literally 40 years, 40 years they took laps in the wilderness, the, the, the hike 
from the Red Sea to the Jordan River to go into the Promised Land should have only taken about three weeks. They spent 40 years taking laps. Why? Look at the next verse, verse 5. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. Now, most of them is a majority, correct? At least 51% of them. And their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. These people died over a period of time. Someone who was 40, 39 years later, they were 79, natural death. They, caught, they died, they were buried in the wilderness. So by the time you got to the Jordan River, and they did believe by faith, that what God said he would have done, and God would have done it 40 years ago. He said, let's go. Moses said, it's time to go. And only two of the leaders, Joshua and Caleb, said, we can do it. God said, we can do it. Let's go. The other 10, majority, 10 out of the 12 said, no way. On the other side of that river, there are people we cannot defeat. And so this lack of faith caused them to spend 40 years, people dying in the wilderness. How much? How many? Majority of them. Here's the lesson. Six. These things happened as a, here's the next key word. What's that word? A. There you go. To who? To us. That's a lesson. So that we would not crave evil things as they did. You, you know what the biggest hang-up in the wilderness was? You know what the biggest hang-up was? There were people looking back, people who came out of Egypt saying, you know, I know I was a slave back then, but there was stuff they had. I liked it, and I crave it. And that happens to us as believers, by the way. The Lord saves us. He sets us free. We are no longer slaves to sin, and we crave evil things. And the lesson here is so powerful. Here it is. It's number one, lesson number one. Not everyone learns their lesson. This explains why a lot of people, you know, their lives are absolutely a train wreck. It's why you and I, at times, keep repeating the same dumb things over and over. Verse 6, we crave something. We're taking a substitute over what God has for us. So this is an amazing story, and it kind of sets the scene for everything I'm going to talk about for the next few weeks, however long it will be. I have no idea how long this series is going to go, but I do know this. There are some things God has shown me, some lessons I want to teach you, and the first lesson is this. You heard it. Not everyone learns their lesson. And so my question here is this. Are you willing to learn the lessons that God has for you? Number two. Circumstances are not random. God really has a plan to work things out. That's a lesson. That's powerful. That's exciting. That, is, that will give you peace. This lesson will change your life. If you really believe things that happen to you are not random, that doesn't mean God is doing the bad things. There, there's a thing called free will, and bad people do bad things. The, the crazy series of mass shootings, at the core of it is evil. And in the heart of men and women, there is the potential for evil. And when they perpetrate evil, it sometimes, the consequences of their evil touches the lives of the innocent, the innocent people. And it doesn't mean God doesn't know it and doesn't see it. You say, well, couldn't God stop it before it happened? Oh, absolutely, he could. 
but he would have to take away free will. And in the grand scheme of things, ultimately, if we don't choose God and we don't have a free will, we're nothing more than robots. And I meet very few people who say that's a good idea. God has given us this opportunity to choose him, reject him. Now, here, here's what I mean when I say circumstances are not random. God really has a plan to work things out. That means when something bad happens to you, God will be there and he will work it out. He knew it was going to happen before it happened, even if he didn't initiate it. He allowed it to happen. And he will come alongside of us even when bad things happen. And here's the next verse, Romans 8, 28. I'd kind of like you guys to read this one with me. Would you do it? This is a, I think this is one of those landmark verses in God's word. This, this is something you can live your life by, okay? Here you go, Romans 8, 28. And we know, ready? All together with me. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called. You know what? If you, if you get your head around that today and walk out of here really buying in into, into that, it'll change your life. All things. What does that mean? All? Yeah. You know, sometimes I'll say a Greek word means this, that, or the other. The Greek word for all in the English, all means all. Okay. All things. And there's nothing that can happen in your life that God can't take and work it out for his good. I didn't say it was good. I didn't say God wanted it to happen to you. But he allowed it to happen because he has a plan to turn it into something good. Things can work out. That's a powerful lesson. I'll refer to this a little bit more in weeks to come, but I wanted to get it out today. Lesson three. Here we go. Lesson three. Life is better when I choose to be thankful regardless of the circumstances. So I'm trusting God. I know that all things can work together for the good. And then I come to the next step. This is the next lesson. I choose to see the world I live in in the context of a God being in control. And that God who's in control loves me and cares for me. And, and as a result, if I put my trust and faith in him, when something happens, and here's the next verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it says that I can be thankful in all, again, that little word, all, three letters. All means all. All circumstances, for this is God's will for you to, who belong to Messiah Jesus, Christ Jesus. In, in other words, the way we are to live. Here's a lesson, because you know exactly what I'm talking about. There are people who see the world through these dark glasses of gloom and despair and everything that happens. They go from zero to 60 in a heartbeat, and the sky is always falling. You all know the story of Chicken Little and being around that person who says, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Nobody believes them even when the sky does start falling because they've lived their whole life that way. You and I have a chance. Here's a lesson. Life is better. I can promise you that. It's better when I choose to be thankful regardless of the circumstances. That's a lesson. I hope you learn it. Next thought. Be thankful in all circumstances. Am I learning my lessons? Am I learning? I'd like you to stand with me real quickly. Would you do that right now?
Because I want this to be tangible. I want this to be relevant. You might be thinking, I don't know if there's a way to know if I'm learning my lessons. I want to give you a very tangible way. Evidence. Here's some evidence that you are learning your lessons. Paul put it in Philippians 4, verse 11 this way. And this is going to be the last verse. We're going to read it together. Paul made this statement. And I want you to, to say this as a prayer. And I want you to make it personal. And so make this personal. When it says, for I have learned, put yourself in there. First person. I have learned this. E even right now, frankly, if it's not true, read it with me and make it true. Let's read it together. Philippians 4.11. Paul said what? For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Contentment is proof that you're learning your lessons. Is that cool? Contentment is proof. Let's bow for prayer. Father, speak to our hearts today. People today have heard your word. Lord, help them to draw the right conclusions, to make the right decisions. Speak to hearts as only you can. We'll praise you. We'll thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.